0: Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. John chapter 14, as David has already said. John chapter 14. One of Jesus' more famous passages. Continuing on our series, Jesus telling us who he is. A series of statements where Jesus said, This is who I am. So, as always, when someone describes to you who they are, usually they're telling the truth. And so, this time we follow what Jesus is saying I am the way, the truth, In the life, John chapter 14. As always, we begin with prayer. A chance for you, where you're seated, to connect with the God who is God. God stops everything to talk to you. I don't know how that works. Doesn't matter. I don't have to. God stops what He's doing to pay attention to you. You don't have to say, listen God, this is important. He knows it. So today, we'll give you a chance to pray. Open your heart to God and deal with those issues that only you can fix with Him. I'll give you a few moments of prayer where you're seated, and then we'll close and look at this passage together. Join me, please, as we pray. Father, we thank you this morning for another opportunity at worship and prayer. We thank you, Father, for always making yourselves available to us, for this promise of prayer that when we lift up our hearts to you, you hear us. Thank you, Father. We come before you in the name of Jesus. He is our advocate. We stand with him before you. Father, we come before you today knowing that many struggle. Some have gone through difficult times, surgeries, and loss. Others are in the middle of difficult times, job searches, family troubles, and things. Be with each of us. Work with us as you can. Fill our needs, Father. Give us comfort and encouragement and hope in this life. Father, we pray for those nations around us. We pray for peace and safety. We pray for wisdom and an attitude towards peace and grace in the mind of those who have power. Father, for some reason, those in power often work against that issue of peace. We pray, Father, change their hearts for those who have power over us. We pray that they would experience your guidance. Help them to make good decisions. Decisions that bring peace and justice and equality. And grace. Father, we have always needed you. Sometimes we weren't aware, but we always have. And even now, we have great needs for guidance and wisdom and forgiveness. We pray for those who serve us first responders, soldiers, those in the medical profession, others. Keep them safe in their efforts, use them to save lives. Bless their families. And Father, we just ask you to be with each of us. Cleanse us of our sin. Help us in our struggles against sin and unrighteousness. Help us to choose paths of life that will allow you to bless us and honor you. Help us to be willing to share what we have with others. Give us grace that we might give that grace to others, Father. Father, speak to us now from your word. Help us to hear the words of Jesus and apply them to our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen. My kids were worried about me several years ago because I was getting old. And I had this thing in my car called a map. Anybody remember those? Back in the day, we were taught how to read maps in school. Remember that? And my daughters thought that they, was, they were so archaic, and they said, Daddy, what are you doing with those things? You can't read that. That's nonsense. And the, the whole thing of maps and directions and different colors and symbols and all those things never made sense to my daughters or to their whole generation. Now, they would get maps out and make fun of me in front of their friends because no one could read those things, of course, and, and neither could their friends, just the way it was. So one year for Christmas, they got me this doohickey called a Garmin. Remember those? You remember, some of you had those, that little dookie, it was electronic, you stuck it on the windshield of your car, and if you kept up to date and paid your monthly fees, it would help you to get there. So Tammy and I were going to go on this vacation, we were going to go to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, it was going to be the perfect time to use my Garmin, and I didn't use a map, they said, Daddy, you don't need your map, and they took the map out of my car, and they said, you'll be fine, just punch it in, you couldn't talk to it in those days, and this was quite some time ago, and it was before phones and cell phones and Siri and all those kinds of things. And I don't know why we think we need Siri now, but evidently we love her, don't we? And you know what I'm talking about, that little woman in the phone that tells you what to do. But if we didn't have that in those days. And so Tammy and I and one of my daughters got in the car. We were going to go on this wonderful vacation and we just punched in the numbers where we're going to go. In fact, as my daughter did it for me because she didn't think I was intelligent enough to do it. So she stuck it up there and we stuck it on the, on the windshield and we were going to go and we went down the interstate and you know how to get there, most of you. And we were doing fine and then we took a turn because Garmin said so. And Garmin didn't have a name on those; days, just Garmin. And okay, I didn't know, and I didn't have a map with me to check. It didn't it didn't what the sign said, but you know, Garmin was going to get me there. And we drove for some time, thirty or forty minutes off this beaten path. And Garmin said turn, and so we did. And I said to my daughter Holly, Holly, I don't think we're going to get there this way. Yes, you are, Daddy. Just do what Garmin tells you. So we continued, and you know where I'm going with this, probably. But we ended up literally. Literally stopped on a dirt road in the middle of the woods in Arkansas. I was exactly where Garmin said and the The thing said arrive at your destination now. I Looked around and I looked at my brilliant daughter and said I don't think we're there She said oh my gosh, you're right. It, it occurred to her that we were lost now. We weren't lost We didn't know where we were And we didn't know how to get there, but we weren't lost. Because if if we would have been lost, my daughter would have flipped out. So I said, we're not lost. We just have to backtrack. And so we did. We backtracked several miles, got off the dirt road, onto the gravel road, onto the two lane, and found a gas station. And it was an old gas station. Now, I know it was old because they had maps for sale. And I bought an old Missouri map and an old Arkansas map. And I got that map out and in front of my daughter showed her what how a map worked. And she said, I don't, make, that didn't make any sense to me at all. So anyway, we marked out a path on our maps and we took that fancy Garmin and unplugged it and stuck it under the seat where it wouldn't cause any problems. And we made our way back down to Eureka, Arkansas. We used that map the whole time and we used our map to get home. And I didn't think I ever wanted to use that Garmin thing again. Now I know that there was something wrong with the software that day, that the Garmin was a good piece of equipment, etc., etc. And today, when I go somewhere, I don't use maps. I want to, but no one has those anymore, so I use my phone, and Siri tells me what to do and when to turn and when to turn around, all those kinds of things. All I wanted, though, was an easy way to get there. Show me the way. And the Garmin tried and failed, and the map got me there. Well... Back before there were maps and garments, there were people who struggled with the way to get anywhere. In fact, isn't in one of the conversations between Jesus and his disciples. He was saying, when I go, you won't be able to follow me. And one of the disciples said, well, wait a minute. We don't know where you're going. Just tell us the way. And that's the part we're going to read. So follow along with me, if you would. In John chapter 14, I'll read the first six verses. Jesus talking. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus was going somewhere. He was going to experience something. And his disciples wanted to be with him. He said, you need to follow me. And they said, well, we don't know the way. And, and he simply said, I am the way. So today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the way to get somewhere but he's also the way to experience something. There is a better way of life. I find myself saying that oftentimes. Working on lawnmowers or cars or sometimes trying to get around somewhere in the city. And I say, there's got to be a better way. And so have you. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus as the better way. You can do a lot of things in life. But Jesus always has the better way. So on screen is this idea. God's way is the way of life offered to us through Jesus, the Christ. When Jesus talks about, I am the way, the way of life, he's talking about God's way. Jesus came to show us the way of God. Interestingly enough, Christians began to be called people of the way because of this very passage. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Christian became known as people of the way because the way of Jesus Was the way of Christians. So you, as followers of Jesus, are people of the way. You may be Baptist or Episcopal or whatever, but as followers of Jesus, you are technically people of the way because Jesus is the way. Now, Jesus intended in creation. And he and God worked together on this. And I'm not sure how that worked out. But Jesus was God's creative agent. The Holy Spirit was there. God was creator. And the plan was that we would live this life according to God's lead. We would follow him. We would experience his blessings. And God would provide for us all our needs. And it really was a a wonderful plan. And we thanked him by rejecting that plan completely. And so our life is that parable that is in the Old Testament. We are born innocent, prepared for this wonderful life following God's plan. And then somewhere along the way, we decide that God's plan isn't good enough for us. In other words, we ignore the map, we turn off the garment, and we just go the way that we want. And our way rewards us with destruction and struggles and suffering. So whenever you watch the news, and you talk about how the world is going to go to hell in a handbasket because we say that kind of thing. That is exactly what I'm talking about. When you talk about the world like that, you are talking about the world that has chosen to reject the way that is Jesus. When you make mistakes in life and you make these ridiculous decisions and you wonder, what in the world was I thinking? Well, you were thinking that you knew what to do and you ignored God's advice so many times. Whenever you step into sin... Whether you stumble into it or jump headlong into it, that is a way of rejecting God's leadership. In other words, you reject God's way because you think your way is better. Jesus said, I am the way. So on screen is this idea of the way and the truth and the life. So when Jesus talked about the way, he was talking about destination, yes. But even more importantly, he was talking about experience. Jesus was saying, there is an experience of life that God wants for you, and I am the way to get there. And he wasn't just talking about that place called heaven. That was always in the background of the conversation. But Jesus was talking about more than that, because Jesus is more than just fire insurance. Remember how preachers used to talk about that? You know, the fires of hell, and you could get saved, and you wouldn't have to worry about fire. And we talked about Jesus being fire insurance, and people dismissed that. And that's dating me, I know. But Jesus is more than just avoiding the fires of hell. Jesus is God's way of allowing you to experience the life that He created you to live. He is that way. It is a way of living, it is a way of thinking, it is a way of talking. It is a way of moving through life and making decisions. So whenever you think, what does God want me to do? And you're making that process of asking God, what does he want? That's the way of Jesus. When you read scripture and you see, okay, that's, this applies to me. This is why my life is a wreck right now because I did this and I wasn't supposed to. You have stumbled onto the way of Christ. Whenever you seek God's desires and you pray, God, help me do the right thing you are seeking that way of life it's a way of living sometimes it affects our culture it should but more personally it affects you every day do you care for your neighbor do you help those who need help are you patient with those that drive you nuts etc cetera, etc cetera. when you do those things you are walking in the way of jesus so jesus was saying to them i'm the way I'm the way of life that will enable you to experience what God wants. When you make decisions based on biblical teachings, you are stumbling into the way of experiencing what God wants you to have. Let me give an example. The Bible teaches us that as Christians, there is a way that God wants us to handle our finances. He wants us to save some. He wants us to use what we have wisely and plan for it. And he wants to give away part of it. He wants us to take 10%, that's the teaching there, that you give that back to God's kingdom so God can do things on this earth. And when you do that, you'll find out that you experience a sense of blessing for none of the fact that, other than the fact that you are doing as God has intended. And you will be blessed in that. You won't get rich or anything like that. It's not a get rich quick scheme, but you begin to be a part of something bigger than you. When you give your monies to God's kingdom, you get to help people when you give your monies to God's kingdom. You get to see God's message of Jesus spread. When you give God his, your monies to uh, disaster relief, you can turn on the TV and say, I'm helping them. You see, it becomes personal then, doesn't it? Because it's not just you're giving your money to these people that don't exist. When you give your money through this church, for example, and you're reading about some of the relief efforts in Turkey and Afghanistan and those kinds of places, because we give to that, you can say, I'm there. I'm part of those that are helping that. When we give to disaster relief here, you can say, I'm giving to that and I'm helping in my own way. You may not be able to go down there and lift some brush or swing a shovel or anything like that. You don't have to but you are helping in one way. And that's just one way that God wants us to experience life on this earth, by not being possessed by our possessions. Jesus then said he was the truth. Now, interestingly enough, he was saying that because he was drawing a contrast between the truth that is in God's ways and the lies that are in the evil one's ways. Think of this this way. Everything that Jesus said is true and eternally true. When God says, this is what I want you to do, that's eternally true. And it's from the mind of God. So when we talk about the ways of God that he wants you to live, that's truth. When he talks about if people want to experience salvation and receive forgiveness of sins, that is through Jesus and that's truth. So anything outside of that, anything that disagrees with that, is to be seen by contrast as a lie or something that is simply not true. So when we say that salvation is in Jesus, that's true. If someone said, well, salvation is in the mind of the believer, not so much. Or if salvation is in the mind of anybody who is religious, no, that's not true. And so when we have this contrast between eternal truth that is in Jesus and the stories of people's religious experiences from all over the world, there is a contrast between that which is true and that which is lie from the depths of hell. And so understand it that way. So when you are taught, and we see in our culture people do this, that if you follow Jesus, you'll receive salvation. That's based on truth. It's eternally true. But if someone says, all religions are the same, whether you follow Jesus or Buddha or all those others, they're all the same, that's not true. And the standard there is, Jesus claimed to be the truth. Now, if you don't think Jesus knew what he's talking about, then you have a whole other thing to worry about, don't you? See, what Jesus was doing was establishing himself as the speaker that can be trusted. He didn't criticize anyone else. He just said, you can't trust them. I'm the one who's telling you the truth. And then he talked about, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not just salvation, that was part of it. If you want eternal life, if you want life after death, I'm the one that can help you. But life that is eternal, life that has eternal meaning, life that doesn't end at death, Jesus is the one that gives that. And sometimes we need to understand that sometimes the life that God wants us to live will affect our culture. Sometimes when you live as Christian, sometimes you will find yourself running in a different direction than our culture. And the fact that a culture doesn't, doesn't make it right. The fact that a particular presidential administration says this or so, doesn't make it true. And you know that. Doesn't matter who, what side of the eye you're from. You know, you can't always believe everybody with a microphone, can you? But when you follow Jesus, you can trust him. So when he says, follow me and I'll give you the life, my way is the way of life, it is a lifestyle based on your relationship with Jesus. Has nothing to do with the kind of clothing you wear, nothing to do with the kind of music you prefer, nothing to do with the kind of car you drive or anything like that. God doesn't even care if you're a Republican or Democrat. That just doesn't matter to God. Instead, he wants you to follow the way that is in Jesus. And you can work that out in your own way and fit in in the culture in a lot of ways. But sometimes, as Christians, you will run counter to the culture. And you're going to do that more and more in this culture. In other cultures, obviously, you know, we think of Russia and Ukraine and all those kinds of places where it is illegal to talk about Jesus. And Christians there have to walk a fine line just to stay alive, literally. Literally. And so they make that decision to follow Jesus as the way and it puts them in contrast with their culture which challenges them. So the way of Jesus isn't always easy. The way of Jesus does not always give you what you want. The way of Jesus doesn't make things run smoothly for you. Sometimes the way of Jesus makes life harder. And yet it is the life that God calls you to live. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he sets himself up, Jesus does, as the one who has this answer, which is pretty bizarre when you think about it. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the one who's telling you the truth and you can't believe anybody else. And I'm the one that if you let me shape your life, I will bless you and bring God's blessings upon you. So those are pretty outrageous claims. But what he says in verse 6 is the one that's really over the top. On screen you can see this idea that God's way of life is offered to us only through Jesus. Of all the teachings in the Bible, this is the one that's the hardest to take. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus was making a claim here. I don't care who you are. You don't follow me, you will live your life separated from God. And in the life to come, you will be separated from God forever. And that's one of the hardest things to teach. Now, if you're talking to another Christian, it's easy, right? Well, we all know this. It says so in the Bible. Jesus said it over and over multiple times. And all Christians, I say all Christians, most Christians accept this truth. But you talk to someone who wasn't raised Christian, and they are raised in another culture, perhaps. And you tell them, well, your religion is fine, but it's not going to get you into heaven Well, then things are going to cause you problems because what you've done is just said that their faith doesn't work. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking to people who lived in a world that was very religious, even more so than our world, if you can imagine that. Everybody was religious. Everywhere you went, all over the world, people were religious. There were temples and churches, all those kinds of things. Jesus, in effect, said... All those other religions are a waste of time. Only me. Only I can give you life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So on screen are a couple of passages. I'll read these. You can just follow along. The Father loved the Son and hath given all things as to in hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So, judgment comes to those who do not follow Jesus. Following Jesus allows you to partake of that gift of salvation where Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So if you want to talk to God, and this is using some ancient understandings, remember the kings, you didn't go and talk to a king yourself. That wasn't allowed. You had to go through somebody. Jesus was that mediator. So using that language of the day, when you wanted to talk to God, you couldn't just go and say, hey God, you had to go through a mediator, and that became Jesus. Fast forward several thousand years, We still pray in the name of Jesus, don't we? Almost always we'll say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, that's what we're doing. We're recognizing the fact that Jesus is our mediator. Now, I don't know that there's a rule you have to say that phrase when you pray. You can just say amen, and I think God knows what's going on. He knows your heart. But, you know, we do that out of deference to the fact that Jesus is our mediator, He's the one that stands with you. In another passage, he's called our advocate. So when you're before God the judge in the end of times, Jesus is your advocate. He's standing with you, fighting your case, pre- pre- presenting this idea that you accepted Jesus as Savior. And so, therefore, God will give, him forgi- give you forgiveness and allow you into the kingdom. And so there's that understanding. And so this is using ancient language, I understand, but the whole idea is very simple. Not only is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, he is the only way, and the only truth, and the only life. And that's a much bigger thing, isn't it? That's a hard thing to do. And so what you do as a Christian is, you have to decide, am I going to allow the Bible to teach me and instruct me, or am I going to believe what other people teach me and instruct me? And this is where you have to make a choice. And you really do. You have to make a choice. Am I going to be a person that allows God to teach me through scripture? Or am I going to do what makes me comfortable in my culture? It's very difficult. And one of my, uh, my sister lives in California. And I've talked about her and she's Christian. And she struggles because, with this very teaching. Because many of her friends are atheists. They reject, not just reject Jesus. They just don't think there's a God. And she knows that the biblical teaching is that they are separated from God now and into eternity. Some of her friends are Hindu. Some of her friends are Buddhist because they're in an academic community. There are people from all over the world in a circle of friends. And she said, Kevin, these are wonderful people. They're good and moral and they care about people and all those things. What am I supposed to tell them? I said, well, what you have to tell them is the biblical truth. That apart from Jesus, they're separated from God now. And into eternity. She said, I don't know if I can do that. I said, well, that's up to you. You know, and she's just, she's a normal person, just like you are. You have friends that aren't Christians, and you love them, and they're good people, and they're as good as you are, and they're good and moral, and that isn't enough. Being good and moral isn't enough for the life that is to come. We must have this cleansing that only Jesus can give. We must experience the life that only Jesus can give by the cleansing from sin and him standing with us before God. It's really hard to challenge people's religious faith. It's really hard to tell people that haven't been schooled in this stuff that they're sinners separated from God himself by their sin. It's hard to convince good people that they're sinners. And yet that is the message of Jesus That's the message that preachers have been preaching for 2,000 years. When missionaries go all over the world and you give your money to support these missionaries, you want them to teach that, don't you? It's not because you don't love people. On the contrary, it's because you do love people. I want my granddaughters and my grandson to somewhere become uncomfortable with who they are so they can feel the guilt of their sin and be moved towards Jesus. I don't want them to suffer but I want them to understand the truth because I want them to be saved just like you want your grandkids to be saved, right? So this isn't anything bizarre here. The only time it's bizarre is when people talk about it and have rejected it. So when you watch TV and you watch the talk shows and you watch the media personalities and they talk about this, they will reject this idea that salvation is only in Jesus because it's uncomfortable and it's a confrontational message. And unfortunately for everybody, it is the only message that gives life. Only in Jesus can you be saved. And that's a tough one, I know. So Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. On screen is a scripture passage. Read this with me if you would. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel... That by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind, by which we must be saved." The clear teaching of scripture is that salvation is in Jesus and only in Jesus. Years ago, I had a supervisor in, my, in a chaplaincy program where I was a student. And we fought over this thing for an entire year because she didn't accept it. And so I finally had this conversation with her. I said, okay, now wait a minute. So you're telling me you don't think Jesus says and is the only way of salvation, right? Right. I don't think that's true. I said, okay, but now do you agree that the Bible teaches this? She goes, yes. I said, I said, wait a minute, so the Bible teaches it, but you don't like it? No, the Bible is wrong. And I, at that point, we didn't have anything else to talk about because she rejected every proof text I had. You know, the only way I know this is because of what the Bible teaches. Throw away the Bible, you can believe whatever you want, yes. But that's not the way of Jesus, is it? The way of Jesus is is following the gospel message and the gospel truths given to us in scripture. And that's all we've got. Whenever you throw the Bible away, it's going to be filled with something else. You create a vacuum in your life. It, it may be filled with the wisdom of Oprah or the wisdom of some other talk show host or somebody who's in the media, some media giant or something like that. But somebody's going to teach you something. And that's not the way of God. And it's not the way of life. Nate's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation this morning. A chance for you to receive this message of Jesus. The way of life. To make those decisions that will allow Jesus to have more of an influence in your life. Let me encourage you to say yes to this way of Jesus. If you'd like to make something public, you can. To join our fellowship or to receive Jesus as Savior. Just come forward as we sing. And Nate's going to come and lead us. Why don't you stand with me, please? and lead us in a closing prayer. Terry? Thank you. Pray with me, please. And Now, to him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the throne of God with exceeding joy, to him be power and majesty and glory forever and ever. Amen.